Welcome back to the 215 Seamer podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Matt Kerwin, and I'm here with our other co-host, Dylan, because our, our third co-host, Connor, decided to go run some kids up a hill instead of being here. No, <laughs> just kidding, everyone. Yeah, Connor's a, a baseball coach. He's doing great work, you know, molding the young minds of America in his own way but he's probably just torturing them by making them run. Making young men or young boys into men. You know what I mean? That's really what it's all about. It's not about the baseball. It's about the life growth. Yes, exactly. It's, it's all about that. (laughs) Yeah. And um, today we're going to be talking about our favorite team, the Philadelphia Phillies and getting into a little bit of a recap, but all of, but also a preview and just sort of seeing where this team is going. Um, I think, you know, in regards to the Braves series, we split two games, two games with them in the four game series. Not exactly how fans would have wanted it to go. I would have liked at least a three ones series win, but yeah. you know, especially because this team seems to only win games on the road, you know, I'm kind of, but you know, it, it just like, it wasn't, it wasn't great. What do you it think? It wasn't satisfying. I agree. And it, it especially wasn't satisfying because of, you hit these limits of, of wasted potential, right? So you go on the road, and we only win on the road, so that gives, op- gives optimism for this series coming up. But you have the first game in which the offense really gets clicking. That's so much fun to watch. That seems to happen every series or every other series. There's a game like that. And then you have the second game in which we won fully, and we had a win going into the ninth with Bryce Harper's clutch to a home run. And then, oh, guess who? Corey Knievel blew it. Um, and the third, I didn't get to see. I think it was kind of close, and then it, the bullpen did it again. Um, and the a fourth, lot of errors, fielding errors of, in the third okay. game. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. And the fourth, and I want to touch on this later, is yet another Corey Knievel, you know, almost blown save. <laughs> almost blown save in the midst of Aaron Nola's beautiful game. So what I think is my main takeaway, aside from Nola, who I do want to talk about, is the is the Corey Knievel effect. And it's not the offense that's annoyingly inconsistent. And I want more production for it's not Schwarber getting a little bit back more on track. I think you can see it in his out at bats, not even in his output necessarily. It's not Bryce Harper, not knowing how to run the bases that trying to stretch into the double in one of those games is hilarious. Yeah. You know, I, I think that it's just like, you know, he, he, he's, he's a catalyst Bryce Harper at the end of the yes. day, Bryce Harper is the catalyst. He's, he is yes. the momentum of this team. And when he tried to do that, he was just trying to, start something and get this team out of the funk and you know that that that's what that was like yes he got tagged out yes it was bad base running but he was trying to do something he was he was he was you could see that he was doing something and it's just head down but he was doing something right and and he's like one of only a few players that i really see trying to do something on this team you know like when it comes like when it comes to the the fielding players and in the in the offensive players like Alec Bohm and him are, you know, some of the only players. And, and then you throw in Garrett Stubbs on the occasional game that love like really love Garrett Stubbs, like who just like are actually trying to impact. The, oh, no. And let, let, let me also add Gene Segura in there, who has been mm-hmm. absolutely killing it, just absolutely showing what he's worth. You know, he's hitting 300, he's fielding impeccably. Like that is the Gene Segura you traded for, you know? And I just, you know, those four players, you know, three and a half, I guess, because, you know, Garrett Stubbs doesn't get to play every day. Um, Those are the guys that I just really see as being dedicated to the craft and just dedicated to the team in this city more, more, more or less. I agree. I think there's this malaise that kind of comes over the team and you're like, how do you have a what? Net fifty-five million dollar malaise, forty-five million dollar malaise between especially Schwarber and Castellanos, but you can see it, and it's like Harper doesn't even have to have a good game; he just has to be in the lineup. Because without him in the lineup, this team lacks a certain fire, it lacks an edge, it lacks an attitude that everyone said Nick Castellanos would bring. Maybe he's bringing it. I think he has good at bats, but it, maybe he's not as outspoken. But it's this weird kind of placebo effect of Bryce just being in the lineup not just in the dugout that gets everybody going and I like what you're saying with and I agree Segura and Bohm and Harper and it it doesn't necessarily have to be through performance I think it is but it's through a tone and an energy and you saw it a couple series ago 
against the Dodgers when Segura is running the bases really hard and manufacturing runs. And I think what we want to see as fans is just guys really caring, you know, and it's, you have to bottle your emotions in a long season. You have to kind of shut it down, but when there's all of these winnable games and let's say like most of the games are winnable. There were more blowouts earlier, I would say than recently. Right. Right. Like it's right there for you. You want to see that fire. Yeah. And, and you know, if the Phillies had won those games, you know, didn't get shut out a couple of times, you know, didn't blow a seven run lead to the Mets, didn't blow another seven run lead to the Dodgers. You know what I mean? You're just like, we'd be over 500 right now. We might still be in second place to the Mets, but we would be going into this Mets series, maybe 20 with like 26. With our heads held high. Yeah. Yeah. 27 wins, you know, and the Mets are only 29. We'd be a couple games behind them and we're a better away team than we are home team. And this is an away series. This would be very advantageous for the Phillies. If it would be a little bit, you know, if, if a few games more had gone our way. But, yeah. you know, we, we can't – like, the reality is we, we can't turn those games around. The outcomes are final. That's just how it is. But, you know, I think that in regards to this Brave series, um, specifically the second game where they lost 6-5 to five, even though they were winning 5-4, to four, you know, that was something that was extremely preventable. I just think well, that – Well, the preventable has, has, you know, one name. <laughs> one, one name in its mismanagement by the manager yes, yes. and you know I just think it's it's interesting you know I know managers don't always make the right decision all the time I do however think that you know leaving a pitcher in for more than an inning sometimes or more than just like a final batter is not a bad decision to make especially if they get themselves into a jam I think that pitchers need to be able to figure out and pitch out of their mistakes in a lot of ways. And not all of the mistakes are caused. Do you think that's for, I get what you're saying and it's hard and it's tough because some of them really the hot handed, but do you think that's for starters a little more than relievers in a tight game? What do you think? I I don't know. because I think that pitch a pitcher is a pitcher. Like, obviously I know there's a different, there's different types of pitchers, different types of pitchers are used in different types of situations. Realistically. Um, it depends on how strategic you want to be with it. And it also goes against analytics and also for analytics at times when it comes to leaving a pitcher in a little bit longer mm-hmm. or for Blake another Snell. batter. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Blake Snell, uh, world series a couple years ago. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, yes, starting pitchers should be able to work out of things a little bit more. I think Aaron Nola should have been able to finish out yeah. the ninth inning last night yeah, in particular, I I think that Joe's short leash was a little too short, especially when he was already planning to have Falter start tomorrow instead of Eflin. I, I and, agree. And, and Nola's going to get that extra day of rest I would like say... down, down, down the line. And, and I think that that is, you know, I think that that was, you know, poor judgment. I think that if Aaron Nola had gotten like the complete game shutout, he might've been able to prevent a, a complete game shutout. You know, uh, it would have been 4-0 instead of 4-1 last night. I think that if he had done that, I think that would have been a big confidence booster for the team. I think he would have. And for him, because because that was the first win he got since opening day from this team. Think about that. And that's That's not always... I know that wins. Like I know, I know wins aren't important, but like when, when it comes to pitchers, wins aren't important. But the thing is, the Phillies for eight straight starts, quality starts, I might add, that Nola had pitched. He only let up maybe three runs, two to three runs in all of those starts or less. The Phillies couldn't provide him with the run support at all. And now, you know, he finally got it for the first time since opening day. That was 40 games ago. Wow. I, I think with the Nola thing, too. I think those are all great points. One, I do think he would have finished the game, maybe a little for run. I think he was hot. I think with the Nola thing, too, is, one, he's having a better season than he did last year. That's clear. But games like this are still golden and are still more yeah. of a rarity. As you can see, it was August 18th or 19th last year since it last happened. And I think with Nola going into it, he was getting hotter and he was getting better. And watching the game, watching like from the sixth on, you can say it starts with the fastball command. And I do think it really does. But when you're seeing prime, true, 
let's be honest with ourselves, Aaron Nola is as, as talented, like a pitch mover, airbender, whatever you want to call it, as anyone in the league. It starts with mm-hmm. that curveball because the changeup curve really wasn't was moving all- much. It's but, three but different even, pitches. It, it, it was the curveball, the sinker, and the changeup for him last night. It's all and, of it. You know, he pitched his sinker more than any other pitch. Like, he hasn't pitched his sinker as well in years. You know, there was a statistic that someone put out saying that Aaron Nola hasn't thrown a sinker in a, in a game as much as he did last night since 2016. Are we saying sinker and two seam are different? Yes. Or be just saying, okay. So you're saying he usually, because the issue with the two seam is it becomes flat and leaks out, especially. It leaks right out and then it leaks, you mean leaks outside the righty. Yeah. Leaks into the home zone run. and it gets Time. hammered, especially yeah. with two strikes. Thanks, JT, for always calling outside two seams. Well, no, not even that. Like the, the double that went <laughs> off the wall was like a high inside sinker, basically a two seamer. That it was just, a good pitch. Matt Olson got his hands in. It was the wrong pitch called by JT, in my opinion. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's just like, it wasn't, it, it just, you know, JT's better than that. And Aaron Nola is better than that, but that was what they decided. That's what, you know, the battery decided to do and it just got clocked. However, it was a very gettable ball by Nick Castellanos. It should have been caught. Read. It was a terrible read on his part. I mean, <laughs> you don't go in and then, and then go out. Yeah. That's not like, I, you know, you play little league and you know that. So watching Nick Castellanos in right field is, Pretty difficult to watch. I want to make some jokes on it. I won't. I think, though, with Noel, like you're saying, when that curveball working is one, it's three pitches that are separate, and they're all at the same speed. You know, it's like you could see it in the backdoor curveball to Ozzy Albies mm-hmm. and maybe the seventh. We threw three, three straight curveballs. It's a, it's a slider. It's like a looping slurve, and then it's something that is not even in the zone, and it's just unhittable. Um, and they go and for I think it, which is great. And they Love go for it. I mean, are we saying Aaron Nola potential all-star? I don't know. I don't trust Aaron Nola as far as, you know, I could throw Aaron Nola, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's just like Aaron Nola is great for the first 100 games of the year. Come end of August, early September, I worry. And, and it's happened three years in a row now, maybe four years in a row now. Does last year count? Because he was so importantly, I'm, he was I'm just he was really he inconsistent was the entire year. year. Yeah, he like was. He had six starts, I believe, of six or seven innings or more. It was in the single digits. Yeah, no, and he wasn't he wasn't great last year. He struggled a lot. I think that you know the team just struggled a lot. You know, coming off the shortened season and then mm-hmm. everything that was happening. I think that. There was probably a lot of factors that attributed to Aaron Nola's performance that we probably will never know because, you know, we're not in the clubhouse, you know, and who knows what happened. He you looked know, tired and he's yeah, sorry, but well, he, he didn't look tired looked, last night. He always looks tired. But he he always looks like pissed. a sloth to me, in, in my opinion. When he pitches, I feel like he's sleepwalking, but it's like, it's crazy. Like when he's in the zone though, he's he like, be good. It, it, he, no, it's unbelievable. Like when he's pitching, he looks calm relaxed and he's just like it looks like he's going through the motions but it's actually like this focused meditative state where he's just absolutely on point nailing every almost every pitch and it's crazy to see but that is who he is like that's who he started out his career as and it's great to see that he's you know kind of come back on track in a way I think with the mentality too of Aaron Nola it becomes exactly like what you're saying is so interesting is that you don't see it in his face a lot and that he looks tired. You can see it when he looks drained and you can see a little bit when he looks defeated, but to that mentality and to the style of pitcher he's become last year, it was the peak of he is an inefficient strikeout machine. You know, he is going to strike out seven to 10 in five innings, but he's going to let up three runs and he can't command the fastball. And you see how good his damn stuff is. You can see it. Everyone can see it but it's the two-seamer that leaks. It's the curveball that doesn't quite cut. And what makes yeah. him so good about strikeouts is the same thing that makes him susceptible. It's when those pitches don't break quite enough, when they don't have the same spin rate, when they don't have the same, uh, you know, horizontal the velocity or, yeah, velocity. the break or anything. Yeah, um, I, I completely agree with that. Going into the six last night, he had like six strikeouts, and he was really efficient. And he can get those 10, 
but which for he him did. to be truly good, which he did. And it's like, oh my gosh, he is just getting these guys down at will. So again, Joe, I would have left him in, but I think Nola at his best is more of a Zach Wheeler from 2020 when he's not getting as many strikeouts and then maybe piling them at the end of the game. Well, Go I, ahead, you though. know, it, it, it's funny be, that you mentioned Zach Wheeler because I think that like Zach Wheeler and Nola have this like wonderful gift as pitchers yeah. where as the game's going along, they get better and better. Mm-hmm. And I just absolutely love that because, you know, I feel like that reflects like the Philly mentality in a lot of way. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, just like getting better and better as they go. And I just, I, I love seeing that like from an athlete where just, you know, you know, some, sometimes people, you know, think of that as like oh the athlete like he, he wasn't prepared for the game he had maybe had a little bit of a rocky start or he's just like he wasn't warmed up enough no mm-hmm. that's just called building momentum mm-hmm. building endurance building skill it's just like it's just accumulation of all these different factors that just make you an, a proper athlete in whatever your craft is and i i just like i really like seeing those two at the top of the rotation I hope that Zach Eflin can produce as much consistency as they are doing right now. Like they're building consistency, like they're building endurance and consistency Wheeler and Nola right now. And they're showing their promise of what should have been. And Eflin did in his last start. And I'm hoping that Eflin can build on that in game two against in this Mets series, you know, and Wheeler's got the finale on Sunday so I'm, I'm hoping, and, you know, Wheeler's been so dominant against the Mets since coming to the Phillies, which I love. And I love that. Dominant just, in general. In I know. He's been dominant starts. in general, but it's, it's really great fun. that he can just, like, you know, backhand the Mets whenever he wants to. I just <laughs> love it. And, he does not like them. <laughs> no, he doesn't. I don't think Noah Syndergaard does either. So I'm interested to see when the Angels <laughs> play the Mets. Like, that's going to be, gonna be a hilarious series, too. Hilarious. Especially if Syndergaard gets a start. Like, oh, that yeah. would be great. Um, I, like I'm looking forward to the Angels Philly series next weekend. Mm, me too. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun. But you know, right now I'm just I just really see there's something building here. I, I really do think that this Phillies team is going to turn it around overall. I think I that too. you know Moniac's rehab is definitely you know on track. He's doing well. He had a homer in his double. He's being and, fast fast track too did you see what they said it's like i know i'm worried about that are you worried about that i'm worried about playing a lot more than you usually play in a rehab assignment because i think they're like shit you know doable's kind of streaky but we need moniac up here to be an impact bat right but oduble streak is coming back right now and i feel like we can postpone moniac coming up for another week like i don't want moniac to come up during the Mets series how long has it been well he just started a week ago yeah, but like since he broke his hand and they were like, he'll be back in six weeks. Oh, yeah. So he broke his hand at the end of March, March. It was like the last day of March, like March 30th or something like that. And then they yeah. said he was going to be back mid-May. But it like, you know, there was a, a few complications where like he was hitting off the tee and it just didn't feel right. Like and we and we heard that like towards the end of April, early May, that that was what was happening. So I figured like, oh, it's going to be end of May maybe early June. And that's what Girardi and the organization said. And, you know, I'm seeing that is probably what's going to happen. And like, I personally don't want to see him back. I mean, I, until so like June 15th. No, no, no. Earlier than that. Like I, okay. I honestly, the angel series next weekend would be probably good enough. I would assume. And, you know, I think because like, he's already had like a week, pretty much split between single A and double A. I think if he gets another week splitting between double A and triple A and he's still hitting, um, you know, hitting well and fielding well, and he feels good, then I don't see why not. He doesn't come back for the angel series starting next weekend, or even the away series in Milwaukee right after that. I, I wonder about that. One, I, I I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what his rehab will look like. I think they'll err on the side of caution, especially like you said. I hope so. I hope so because back. I don't want to rush him because I want him to be completely healthy. Like, I don't want him to re-injure himself. I want him to, you know, keep his confidence because he, he's got his confidence still from where spring training ended because he's still been hitting well. You know, he's getting one to yeah. two hits a night. 
And I know it's only minor leagues right now. No, but that matters. You can't have your rehab assignment and just tank yeah. it. You know, I know. Like, <laughs> then you're going to stay in like single way, bud. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I mean, he did an interview with uh, the Reading Fighting Phils. And, you know, it in the interview, he said, you know, I really feel like I kept myself in shape during the entire injury and yes, you know, I yes, haven't yes, lost yes. anything. And I was like, you know what? That is phenomenal. That is great. I am so glad to hear you say that you did that. You know, it's it, like now it's this big thing, right? Coming into spring yeah. training was I'm faster than I've been since high school. I'm in really good shape. I'm doing everything I possibly can to be ready. Which is amazing because that's what you want to see out of your, your farm system. Yeah. And you know, this is a guy who w- went number one overall. Like he should, and you know, it's his time, ETA 2022, bring it, you know, like this is, this is what we've been waiting for. This is it for for him. We drafted him out of high school. Like this is, this is, this matters. You know, this dude doesn't have a college degree. He needs to hit dingers as Nick Castellanos (laughs) has said. I still want to see more dingers out of Nick Castellanos because, you know, you know, hundred million dollars hasn't really showed up too much, especially lately. It's weird. It showed off like two weeks ago and it said, He's really getting going. And then it's slowed down for Castellanos to the point where like he's hitting 250 right now, which is strange because he's a, because he's a 275, 300 hitter. I agree. And he's, Rube said something on the podcast, not, not to cut you off, but he said on on the, on the call on the broadcast. And he said that, and you could see it. Castellanos was really trying not to get fooled, especially when you see him in the shitty at bats, part of the language with the sliders and the change ups out so that he was really sitting late on the fastball and he was late on every fastball trying to drive it to right field. And it was at the expense of getting it fooled. And I don't know what a timeline looks like until you don't get fooled anymore until something just clicks, you know, and something starts going right for you. But we need that to happen with Castellanos because you can see the talent, you know, you can see the talent in the swing. And and, and I think that, you know, Kevin Long wants to make almost every single one of the guys in the lineup be whole field hitters not just mm-hmm. total hitters you know and and i think that you've seen that in some of the players that often are just so terrible about hitting the opposite field you know what i mean like well, alec bone only does that <laughs> well the thing is i like that about alec bone because i'm just like yeah bro shoot that single out there like i don't care like get that hit he needs but, to get a little more pull heavy on inside fastballs and willing to swing his but, size, though, his stance makes that. it so hard to just pull a ball. Because he's you know right I mean? he's right up against the plate. I know. He's got to be. right in he, there. Because the strike zone is just massive, you know, because of how tall he is. It's just it's six crazy. Five, six, five and a half. Yeah, like, you know, it's Jason Worth issues that, you know, he's got going on. But the thing is, Jason Worth was able to, like, strangely, that dude was able to just mash 25 I, I home runs in the season. a way bigger freak athlete than people give credit for. I know. Oh, yeah, he is. I mean, he, Jason, Freak Rick, I, don't know, athlete. I don't know if you know this, but his mom, I'm pretty sure it was his Olympian? mom and his dad was an Olympian. Right? Yeah, I think yeah. it was his mom was an Olympian. And, you know, like he, he's got the genetics. He's, he's got the genes. <laughs> he's a freak. Yeah, dude. He, 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 he's, he, he comes from he's got pedigree in, in inside yeah, him. So it's like it, it really it really it really shows <laughs> this is getting like a prize. pitbull or something or a horse like about like breeding horses or something like that (laughs) breeding athletes here but no it's just like seriously he he came from a pedigree that just you know made him unbelievable which is why you know he got the money from the Nats after he he left philly and stuff like that and he still did all right you know what i mean Yeah. yeah but you know it's this phillies team in this series with the mets you know one question i want to pose to you is like how do you think Joe Girardi's job security is right now out of curiosity. I don't think it's, I, I think it goes into, you know, kind of two different separate ways of, I, I think it's on the rocks a little bit. I think not all the losses are his fault, but I think it's also, Hey, Dom, you know, Dombrowski, get me some damn pictures because as we can see with Corey Knable, and I don't want to just hate on him. He's not a closer. And you could see it last night when he came in. His curveball looked entirely different than it has before. And the fastball can't even find the plate. But what that goes to speak of is Joe's having trouble 
He's trying to make the best out of an already kind of bad situation, but he's not good at doing that. You know what I mean? It's not like managing the bullpen is his strength. So, hey, if we tank this series, we tank Milwaukee, and we don't show up against the Angels, trade deadline could be happening. We've talked about it in the past. I think it's a lot harder to replace someone midseason than it, you know, than it sounds. But it is a it is a great point to. Is he going to have a job at the trade deadline if we just tank this series? Yeah, I mean, is he helping this know. team? I don't know. I mean, like, I don't think he's hurting the team as much as people say he is. I feel like he's still a good manager. He's still a very capable manager, and he's definitely one of the better baseball minds out there. Yeah, I, you know, I think that he fits pretty well with this team. I'm not a big fan of how he manages the bullpen, like his like two or three day schedule thing. I'm not a big fan of that. I I think it's a little wonky at times. I think that we've honestly reached a point in the season where you can throw a pitcher out there for a third day in a row if you really want to. And I cite um, game two in a lot of ways because, you Mm -hmm. know, Sir Anthony should have been available. He pitched Saturday and Sunday was off Monday and the game was Tuesday. So I'm this like, this isn't like a high school class schedule. You no, know, it I doesn't know. have to be this stringent, Joe. Yeah, like you can... I, I know. But the thing <laughs> is, he was already given a day off, you know, like, and if you don't want to. He's a reliever. And he's a reliever. Like he's, not, like... he's your eighth inning guy. You don't, you know, and like, granted, I just, you know, and he's been in safe situations before. Nelson hadn't. And not that Nelson isn't a, a good pitcher. Nelson is a very capable and, and great pitcher. He was feeling good. Good prospect. You know? I like him a lot. But... Yeah. I mean, you know, he, you know, he had very limited, you know, major league baseball time before he came to the Phillies, you know, being with the Yankees and whatnot, but he has proved that he is a very capable reliever. We have capable relievers. Bilotti and him up and down the list. Yeah, like up and down the list. Brogdon, yeah, like even it's just the fact that Nelson was so low down the totem pole, right? Like you're saying, he's he's the long reliever. He's the long reliever that we have. So it's like you know, you know that you can stretch him to two, three innings, but like in a save situation, (laughs) I don't really know if that's wise. I don't think that like I mean like and you know Joe's like oh we were shorthanded and I was like shorthanded by what. By whose standards besides the rules that you have made on your own? We like, saw it last year. It hurt it, us. Well, it's his been his entire career. He's done it like that. You know, he had that's his mo. And you know, I just, I, I just think that they're you know Binder Joe and Joe the manager need to get together and maybe figure out some type of uh, remedy for this because I don't know who's screwing up. Is it Binder Joe or is it Joe Joe? Like does does Joe need to have as like NFL coaches who are on the hot seat like to say a long hard look in the mirror? And it I don't starts know. With me? I don't think so. I just I I do <laughs> fully believe in Joe Girardi. I I do. I do yeah. think he is capable. I like. I'm not one of those people who is out there doubting him because I don't think he's like a Doc Rivers. I don't think he's this. You know, no, he knows what he's doing because he he's knows. made he's made adjustments before. He he knows how to fix this. And, and, and I, and I do, and, you know, he's a world series winning manager. He's been to the playoffs many times, obviously he had different rosters and different talent levels with Yankees teams, but, you know, I still think that with the amount of money we spent in the, in the personnel we have, there's no reason he shouldn't be able to make the playoffs this year. The Phillies sh- should have no reason to not make the playoffs, especially right. when it's expanded playoffs. I would agree. Um, up on another I would agree I think it's to the expanded playoffs it's still that bullpen like it is every year like you you need more production out of the lineup so like we were going on about I think what Matt is hinting at what I'm definitively saying is that yes we need more production out of this team and the expectations are higher but without a solid bullpen piece and I know you guys don't want to listen to me week after week after week saying the same thing but it's becoming more and more self-evident is the bullpen maybe the thing to hold this team back the starting rotation is really rounding into form it's been very encouraging to see I think the offense will round into form baseball is a weird sport you know it's it's not like one set of evidence belays another set of evidence belays the production of the actual team um, do you think, Matt, it's the bullpen that may keep us inevitably from the playoffs? Uh, 
that's like a two-parter really. So it's like, it's the bullpen, but it's also the manager and how he manages the bullpen. I think that situationally, they're both going to be factors in if this team makes the playoffs. I just think that right now, Corey Knable is like a seventh inning guy. Not even eighth. Not even eighth, because I think Sarah Anthony is just so good with the eighth inning that there's no reason not to use him in the eighth inning for the rest of the season. I think that, you know, I don't know if we have some special type of player in our bullpen that could become the closer, inevitably become the closer, because, you know, it happens. It does happen where there's another pit reliever that just, you know, gets hot or if given the ball and can make a better impact. The thing is, my issue is that Joe is one of those guys that's like, he's not going to make a change until it's like you have a five ERA. Oh, you know what I it's mean? going like, to be like way too Hector late. Norris, Hector Norris did not get taken out of the, the closing role until it was, I mean, like it wasn't too late at the time when he did, but it was, it wasn't until his ERA ballooned that he wasn't, you know, finally replaced with someone else or three up or three other. It did. It did benefit them greatly because you also found out that Hector Norris was better in the sixth inning or the seventh inning than he was in the ninth, at least marginally better. Um, But the thing is, and that's how the Astros are using him right now. Hector Norris is is not not getting closing game. No, he's not closing games. Why should we pay him? Like because I know maybe he's not the closer, but I, I also think, think that he just be didn't better. want to be here. I honestly think that part really? of it, I don't know. I thought I he think, wanted to be here. Maybe I don't it's know. The money. Maybe it's the money, but I think, you know, he's benefiting career wise. He's pitching very well in Houston right now. And, yeah. you know, Houston was a team that definitely needed a much better bullpen too. Like they, they, they were bringing up terrible prospects to, to fill out their team. bullpen. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but they had an offense that, plays consistently and you know they had starting pitching that is real they have a lot of starting pitching depth I mean think about it this is a worry that I had you know we're having Bailey Falter come up yet again like someone who is just like a basically a minor leaguer does have MLB experience can open it's a game jarring though to check that's your next guy starting for tonight that's your like, next oh, guy yeah. that's your sixth man imagine if someone in the starting rotation goes down that's your sixth man Bailey Falter no offense to Bailey Falter. He did great against the Mariners when he had that one start. He pitched five innings or like four and two thirds, something like that. And there's it was quite, great. Like you're saying. And they won the game. Elite. But yeah, it's there's like, just nothing elite about Bailey Falter. Like, yeah, not that we know of. I mean, like, you never know. He could he could blossom into something that he could. That, but it's, but it's the I just Ranger don't. debate again. None of his pitches are elite. I know. And I know that people have a lot of issues with Ranger Suarez. I'm big on Ranger Suarez. I have faith in Ranger Suarez, unlike a lot of other people, because I know what he's been capable of. And I know that he, you know, he had a bad start against the Braves. You know, I mean, I personally thought he should have won that, that matchup because you're going against Charlie Morton, who is plummeting very fast like charlie morton's still a good pitcher but like and still has like decent velocity and everything because he's getting old man yeah he's like, 37 he's, 38 like i mean he's like really good late yeah he, he didn't start getting good until he was 33 34 so it's you know you know with the astros and then you know he had one good season with the braves so it's like you know i, I don't know I, I think that you know it is a bit scary on the starting pitching depth but i think that the starting pitching has been healthy and has been doing well that i'm not too worried about that I do think that the Phillies need to trade for a legitimate closer. Yeah. I think that is like a must need. I think that the there's no screaming room. need the screaming the ball, need. And, and you know, definitely th- package Reese Hoskins with like maybe a couple prospects. Like I think that, you know, Reese Hoskins is a great guy. He, he's, a, he's a decent hitter when he wants to be, but you know, I don't think, I mean, we could save five, six mil by not like, playing him you know Alec Bohm is a much cheaper option at first base Johan Camargo playing third isn't the worst option I'd like to get a third baseman a more proven third baseman than Johan Camargo for every day or at least platoon Camargo at third base with someone else if that's the case so you don't have the, you don't have the long-term Bohm faith and in, in love that I do I don't know no, I, think I do I would love to... I would love Bohm to stay at third don't get me wrong but like I feel like it's almost harder to get a first baseman than it is yeah. to get 
Well, uh, uh, that's third the base thing man. about Reese, right? Like you never, it, it's never someone who's like good at first base. They never played first base a lot, like in college or like as heavily in the lower tiers of the minors. It was always a really good athlete and fielder who wasn't quite able to cut it at third or somewhere else who gets moved to first. Reese, it's like, okay, I played center field, left field at Sacramento State, clearly not fit for that. Um, at the professional level of any sort of level. I, I would love to see Baum stay at third and maybe even play Camargo at first as a placeholder. I get it doesn't yeah, make sense. That's, no, 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 no. That's fine. I'm actually but okay with that too. Just for his development and yeah, for his confidence. I'm fine like, with that. If Camargo, I mean, Camargo can play first base. He's capable of doing that. He's dirty. And, <laughs> he's so yeah, good at fielding. He's good. He's, he's a great fielder. It would be a significant upgrade, you know, and I think that, you know, just – rewiring Camargo to just like be that guy instead of like that utility, that all field utility guy and letting him know, like, you're going to be our first baseman for this season. Do you think he would produce offensively with that? I don't know because like the thing is he didn't produce in Atlanta. He, as well as he could have. And he tanked, tanked, he did, but I think that he's found confidence in, in, you know, having a new um, venue to play at Philadelphia you know, helped him a lot. And I think given this second chance, it's definitely boosted his confidence and he's, he's got a lot of swagger. He's got a lot of grit. And, and I really do like him as a person and as a player, I don't know if he is the long-term person at first base. And I don't know who we would get reasonably to come up either from our farm system, because I don't see a lot of our first baseman in our farm system being that great. Um, well, there's the guy in AAA, but we don't know how that will translate. Yeah, we don't. And, you know, he's probably, you know, next year he'd probably be able to come up. It, but that's if the Phillies are willing to move to him and just give him the starting spot right away over Camargo. And it depends on how Camargo does in the rest of 2022. It's just, I don't know. I just, I feel like for as much money as we're spending on this team, we got to get something back besides just a reliever. You know what I mean? Like, At I don't want to even before the deadline, I mean, people have already made trades. Luke Williams went from, got traded from the giants to the, to the Marlins yesterday. But any you trade know. of major substance, I feel like is more likely to happen. Maybe. I mean, like anything can happen in June, 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 really like big trades can happen in June, even sure. early July, right before the all-star break. So it's like not out of the question. Um, for I just, Dave, though, Dombrowski doesn't like to do anything until it's like clock is ticking. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know. From what we've that's seen true. out of him. That, that's true. That's true. But, you know, things might change. It depends. I just think, you know, this team might need a shakeup in some way. Yeah, I, and, I agree. You know, and, and, and I know that everyone is, you know, good friends and they all love each other on the Phillies. You know, they're all buddy-buddy and everyone loves Reese and Reese loves everybody. But it's like, I feel like, you know, trading him to like, I, like we need a closer we need a closer. Like, I just think that it's time to stop messing around. They haven't in free agency signed a legitimate closer in it's three just, or four years. There is nothing, you know, you can hit on it. We haven't had anyone since when that freaking Papelbon. Exactly. To be fair. We haven't had any someone closer with since Papelbon. Elite stuff, right? You're like you don't want someone like Kniebel coming in. who has a 95 to 97 flat fastball that people can expect and a curveball that he cannot control. Yeah. Because he can't control people, expect a fastball. You need I mean, someone who comes in last after night, Aaron wild Nola, pitch. It's like run scores. Damn, he's good. Yeah. And then the, like it's just like this is gonna hamstring the team. You need people with elite elite stuff. And yeah, you see that in Jose Alvarado, but what does that really mean? You can't throw it over the plate. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't even get me started. It's crazy, like that he's who we have to go to sometimes because I'm just like, get it over the plate. Throw 97 or 98 if you have to. I don't care if it's not one on one. Like just throw a strike, Alvarado. For the love of God, get it over the plate. You have three pitches that you can actually throw. Maybe. Like, it, it's hard. It, it make, it, it's Fastball variance. Fastball <laughs> variance. Sinker ball variance. And then possibly change up slash slider weird thing that's going on. I don't even know what to call that. <laughs> but it's like, thing. and then you have the right-handed version of Alvarado, which is just Jerry's familia who is the, almost the same person, only he's a righty, same ability to throw 100 miles per hour too. And Move he down. also can't do it. It's just like this bullpen is walking people at an alarming rate. And then 
when they let them when they let players finally hit the ball or the players hit the ball, the fielders aren't fielding. Like because part of, of the ball, they're hitting the shit out of the ball because no, they're, they're waiting even. for a fat fastball. Yeah, but some like, of the time. But there are some times where it's like the infield or the outfield is just not making a play. And well, it's either it's either Reese Hoskins or the outfield. I think most of the infield's pretty good. Maybe you Bohm know, is Bohm is not like that great still. I hey, mean, like, hey, hey, Bohm's pretty damn. Bohm's getting better. I know. Like, Listen, he pl- said he's playing with comments. I think he's, he I know. can't make the diving play down the line as much. I still think he's <laughs> an average, an average at least. Yes, no, no, no. I agree. Flashes of brilliance. Yes, average for sure, without a doubt. And I'm talking baseline. All flashes. Right? <laughs> like I'm talking baseline, and you know. Our outfield is below average. <laughs> I can't so even express. I can't express it. Like if fifty percent is the baseline, they're all like at forty-five or forty, because <laughs> frustratingly, I mean, you know, Castellanos moves like a headless giraffe. Schwarber but he's the best move. one out of the three. And he's the best one out of the three, which is the worst. The worst part about it, like Schwarber's second best, and then Odubel is abysmal. So it's just like, you know. I mean, like, think about it, you know, I just say, you know, when, even when, even if Moniac comes back, I see, I don't know what's going to happen. Who's going to get sent down? Is it going to be Quinn or Odubel? I don't know. Is it going to be Stott in terms of Didi eventually oh coming back? God. No, but like, I mean, yeah, but the thing is like, Moni, I think that Moniac is, Moniac is going to come back before Didi right yeah. now. And Didi is not going to play much this year, I don't know. Um, I, I, you know, and the thing is like, I think that Stott benefits from just being in the lineup every day, even though he honestly, it's like playing in the national old national league. He's pretty much like a pitcher and he's going to get out almost every time right now, which is unfortunate. But like, the thing is maybe beneficial for him, but is it beneficial for the team? Um, yeah, I think it's both because, you know, next year, who's going to be your starting shortstop? Are you going to take DD's sure, but $15 million dollar option? Yeah, but I'm also thinking for next year, too. Like, yeah, I, like no, next year, he needs to be ready to go. Absolutely. Right. And, and you know, Stott's going to have an entire offseason to get ready, fix things, change things, whatever. Like, but I'm still, you know, I want to give him what Bohm got last year, even though Bohm struggled significantly during his sophomore season. You know, not as bad as Stott has struggled now, but I know what you mean. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like Bone was hitting like 220, you know, at the very least last year, 230, whatever. But it's like Stott's hitting 119, 120 right now. And it's embarrassing. It's really embarrassing for a top prospect. Like he's the number 40 overall prospect in baseball right now. Jared Kalenic or Kalenic, however. Yeah. yeah, I know. He got sent down too. So did he get sent down? Yeah. He did. He got sent down. Um, Oh, that's so funny. But it's like, but he'll probably be backed up eventually, knowing the Mariners. You know, the Mariners are just underperforming. The Mariners are the Mariners are underperforming way worse than the Phillies are right now. You know, they're in last place in the AL West, even though I they saw an been. article. It was Second. who's going to end their playoff drought first, Mariners or Phillies, bro? It's not going to be. I don't know if it's going to be either of them. <laughs> I think right it's going to continue. <laughs> it, it, it might continue, but I, the Phillies definitely have a better shot than the Mariners. Like they, they have to just because of the payroll that they have. They should. Like it's getting to the point where we're getting like. I just need you see the, the movie money. The Lighthouse. I need to see the money. You know what I'm talking about? What the Robert Eggers movie, The Lighthouse? Where I, I know the movie. Rob yeah, had, yeah. It's like as Phillies fans, we're starting to get like that because we're like the payroll. The talent, the ability, and it's not <laughs> happening. Like, and I, I agree completely. I'm on edge as well. It's like, oh my gosh, do we want to do a hyper quick Mets preview? Mm-hmm. So the preview is Bailey Falter versus former Phillies prospect Carlos Carrasco uh, for the Metropolitans in Queens tonight at seven ten. I don't know what's going to happen. Besides the fact that no Bailey Falter is going to be on the mound, and that's all anyone can tell you at this point, He's I think that the well Phillies will hit the Mets. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I think the Phillies hitters will do well. I think it'll be okay. Um, I don't know how many innings he's going to go. He went four and two thirds, I think, the last time, maybe five complete mm-hmm. innings against the Mariners. Four and two thirds, yeah. So you know, if he can do that or even get to finish out the fifth inning, I'll be okay with that. 
you know, um, I, 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 my worry is this, you know, I don't know how Zach Eflin is going to do in game two. Cause Zach Eflin's going up against Taiwan Walker and Taiwan Walker has for some reason been able to just dominate the Phillies since coming to the Mets. Taiwan Walker was never good until he went to the Mets. And I don't know how they turned. Isn't he struggling this year as well though? No, dude, he's he's got like a 2.5 ERA. Is it someone low. else on the Mets that I'm thinking of? Some one of their guys was struggling. Maybe it was hyper early on one of their guys was struggling. Um, but he always blankets the Bills. I do think it's kind of a hard ask against game one and maybe the hottest team. They're nine and seven, whatever the last. Well, they've lost two in whatever. a row. They lost two lost, in a row, yeah. which was great. The Jock, you know, I'm not a fan of Jock Peterson, but I wanted I to kiss Jock <laughs> Peterson on the face after he hit three home runs against the Mets in that epic game. I was like, thank God. What was I was going like, to say, that's awesome. It's great. I'm worried that they've had two losses and they're coming back for a win, especially in what's going to end up being and they had a rest quasi bullpen game. You know, yeah. it's a tough ask to do that, but you don't want to be bargaining. I mean, Falter has made three two. starts in AAA since uh, he made a couple 17 starts. strikeouts in He's got a sub. He's got a sub one. He's got a zero point zero zero ERA, and he's got a. Yeah, and it was it no. Falter has a zero point zero zero ERA. He's got no ERA right now for the for the three games that he started in the minor leagues. Seventeen strikeouts. Yeah, and he's got like a point five eight or something like that WHIP. I'm like, okay, so he he got a confidence booster from the Mariners game. Went back down to AAA and just absolutely killed it for for a couple starts. It was like, I shouldn't be here, you know, and I like that. I like that. You know, he, he noted maybe, you know, maybe, he, I mean, he's 25. He should it's be starting. It's a good age. Prove it game. It's a good age to be in the major leagues and stay in the major leagues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, you know, falter, come up, do your duty. Like if you win this game one tonight, like I'm going to be ecstatic. Like I, I really, am. Oh, yeah. if they win tonight and, even if they sweep this Mets series in Queens, I'm going to be ecstatic. I'm actually, you know, what's funny. I'm actually more worried about Eflin's start in game two against Walker than I am falter tonight. Because I, I'm I know not as how... worried about Carlos Carrasco either. Cause he seems like the guy if we exactly. can get on and he's not like a hyper power pitcher. Right. And we can really get on. Sometimes when we don't get on those guys, they dice you up and it's like, what's going and everyone starts tunneling. But our offense can get something going and it can be a bit of a slugfest, which we've proven we can get runs against the Mets. Yes, we can. Well, saying, and we've also proven that we can't twice. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah I'm going to be it's like, <laughs> it, it, You know, I know it's, it's, it's hard. You know, we've had a mixed bag of results. There have been all of the games that we've played against the Mets, more or less, like they're all winnable. They're all very like, there's always just like, you know, the Mets just got, were a little bit more clutch at certain points mm-hmm. and it's just you know it's frustrating because you know the phillies can do better you know the phillies team is better than them in my opinion i think they are better than no them. i think they i think the Mets are very talented i think the phillies have a little bit more the mets seem to be more of that's the thing we talked about earlier with edge and positive you know not positivity but mental mindset the mets seem to be more of a cohesive team than the phillies at least in the lineup yes. you know what i mean like yeah, not as true. much dangling parts but rather one body and one like cohesive amoebic force that's like it's <laughs> yeah, the shit out just, of the ball <laughs> uh, yeah but i still think that queens as a whole is is a curse i mean you know oh, i agree it's degrom queens. and scherzer being out for six to eight weeks like it's you know <laughs> it's like bro and then mcgill is out too mcgill so like you know the injury bug just never ceases in queens like I don't remember the last time that Scherzer was really out for that long ever in his career. In to the be past fair. few years, like least. don't get me wrong, even in Detroit, I know, I know he's old, older now. He's like, you know, he's he's an older pitcher now, but like still, it's <laughs> I not mean, in his resume, yeah, I know, it's, it's like not. a weird thing for him to be hurt, it's just, especially when he was this dominant. Yeah, I know. And the thing is, you know, the Mets hitters are definitely hitting better than they did last year for sure. And, you know, last year, the Mets couldn't, the Mets couldn't score runs for their pitchers at all. They were terrible 
at the plate Beautiful last year. Beautiful to watch. It was great. It was a great season. <laughs> I mean, like, not great for the Phillies in the end. I mean, you know, we made it above 500, didn't make the playoffs. But, like, you know, hopefully that changes. I, I Like, you know, if, they, if, the, if the Phillies sweep this Mets series, go into facing good old Gabe and the Giants on Tuesday, which they are doing – you like, can't tank this series because of the hard series coming up. No, 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 no. They need to sweep this series. The Phillies need to sweep this series. Like, this needs to be a one, two, three. Sorry, bye-bye, Flushing Queens. Out of here. Go home to Philly and actually win two out of three, at the very least, against San Francisco. I want, I want, I want to throw a, a wheatgrass shake in Gabe Kapler's <laughs> face and his – hippie nonsense that's what i want to happen like i want revenge so badly for him getting manager of the year (laughs) i need i need the revenge on the california (laughs) on the cali boy afterwards and then we need the hometown hero to come in and get smoked get smoked i have a feeling that i have a feeling that shoei otani is going to get lit up by the fills next weekend i think he's the type of pitcher one that Harper could feast on. I'm very excited about Harper is rounding into form even more. So when you say rounding into form, he missed like four days. And Dude, then he's, he's hitting like three, a little off. He's hitting like three, then he's 318, 320. Literally right the best now. hitter it's, in it's, baseball. It's insane it's, to watch. It's, a, it's brilliant. You know, I think that, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking Manny Machado at all. He's having a great season. But the thing is, you know, I think that people got to like, you know. He looks for MVP number two. I mean, you got to think <laughs> about it. No, seriously. I know. I think that, you know, Harper is going to definitely has to be in that race. Average home runs, RBIs, all the factors get considered. And it's early too. Yeah. And this is a typical Harper. Yeah. And you know, Harper's probably going to be back in the field by August, September. I mean, how much feeling? I hope hope so so too. But like, I mean, how much feeling do you really need out of your MVP? Let's, let's be honest. Let's, let's be honest. It's not a fielding (laughs) award. Like, like it's really, it's, it's it's a batting award. I don't care what anyone says. (laughs) It's a pure batting award. award. It's literally a batting award. But anyway, thank you to everyone. Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. I I'm, we're both glad that you listened to the both of us today on the Phillies. You know, it was a little bit of a longer episode, but you know, we had a lot to talk about. We had a lot to feast on good, the bad and the ugly. So a thank you to everyone on. who joined us for the two one five Seamer podcast. I'm your co-host, Matt Kerwin, and this is Dylan Campbell. Thanks guys.